Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Tyler Winklevoss here with us. Tyler Winklevoss is an investor, entrepreneur, and Olympian. He co-founded Winklevoss Capital to support entrepreneurs who have a powerful why. To date, Winklevoss Capital has supported more than 75 startups led by founders with strong conviction and a differentiated point of view. In addition to investing, Tyler co-founded Gemini, a crypto platform where he currently serves as the CEO. In 2010, he was depicted in the Oscar-winning film The Social Network about the early days of Facebook. In 2019, Tyler's early journey as an investor and entrepreneur in Bitcoin was captured by author Ben Mesrich in Bitcoin Billionaires. On today's podcast, Tyler and I talk about Bitcoin, where it's at, what he thinks about it regarding the future, and this conversation was not only phenomenal, but I learned so much, and I know you will as well. So please, before we get started, share this episode with a friend, tag Tyler Winklevoss and myself on your Instagram story. This is how the podcast grows. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's podcast with the one and only Tyler Winklevoss. What's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have Tyler Winklevoss on the show, the co-founder of Gemini. Thanks so much for coming on, Tyler. Hey, thanks for having me, Casey. So, absolutely. Well, I want to bring up first, I know I've been seeing a lot recently how you and your brother have been saying Bitcoin is on the trajectory and you've been making the claim of it going to $500,000 per coin. Um to take it back, when did you first get involved with Bitcoin? So we were um, we were on vacation in Ibiza. Um, we were at a day beach party, uh, a club called Blue Marlin. Um, some guy came up to us. He recognized us. We had mutual friends in common in, in New York. And he's like, have you, th- have you thought about Bitcoin? And we're like, what's Bitcoin? And we had just been, um, we had been athletes since 15 to 30. Yep. So we had just retired. Um, we had just opened up our family office from Glass Capital, just got a lease space in New York. So we we're going to do angel investing, but we were on vacation in Ibiza. <laughs> like there's not a lot of startup yeah. ideas that happen there. But I guess that's how these things work. You know, it's sort of like you can't force finding love or finding your passion. You just have to be aware. 
Totally. Anyway, chance encounter on a beach in Ibiza. Um, we stayed in touch with this guy. Um, we got in contact and we got back to New York. He really wanted us to look at this investment called BitInstant, which helped people buy Bitcoin. But to understand whether this company was worthwhile investing, we had to understand what the heck Bitcoin yeah. was. So that was in the summer of 2012. And Bitcoin was in the high single digits. So we started buying Bitcoin. We initially were like, this is either a really big deal. Or it's just total bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then we came around to, we started asking questions, which a lot of people don't do. They just write Bitcoin off. So totally. we started asking um, Bitcoiners, um, you know, the hard questions and the answers were great. Um, we always got good answers back. So we, we came from, you know, we came in the side of like, this is, this is a huge idea. This is, this is gold 2.0 um, built for the internet. So we started buying at about $8 a Bitcoin. So that was back in 2012. $8. Fast forward <laughs> eight years now, and Bitcoin um, is trading anywhere at like $18,000 a coin. Yep. And I know it's just coming to that all-time high number. And I wanted to ask you, how is 2020 different than what Bitcoin was in 2017 with it being, you know, crossing the all-time high mark? Yeah, so it's, it's very different. Um, so much has happened in three years. Um, Gemini is an exchange custodian that we built. We started, we launched in 2015. It helps you buy, store, uh, buy, sell, and store cryptos like Bitcoin. Yep. Um, just from that vantage point, our company has grown so much. We're almost 330 employees. Wow. Um, but there's been so many efforts in the space. But um, this bull run is being led very differently. There's some really legendary investors. For those of you who don't know, Google guys like Paul Tudor Jones, Stan Druckenmiller, these are hedge fund legends. They're taking positions in Bitcoin. They're talking about it. They're going on CNBC. Um, we have yeah. publicly traded companies that are putting some of their treasury reserves, their cash on their balance sheet into Bitcoin because they're worried about the oncoming inflation for cash. So public companies like MicroStrategy, Jack Dorsey Square, um, have taken huge positions of Bitcoin. So it's really being led quietly in a way yep. by the most sophisticated investors in the room and really sophisticated publicly traded companies. So it's not the FOMO crowd. It's yep. not the retail crowd. They're still there. But the hype, um, uh, the overhype of 2017 doesn't feel like it's there. And what these people are, are seeing and believing, um, and I've spoken to many of them, is that Bitcoin is gold 2.0, right? Yep. And so it is your protection from inflation. And inflation's happening uh, much because of all the stimulus spending, all the money printing that the US government, other governments around the world have resorted to, to help get economies out of the, the, lock, the pandemic, yep. but really the lockdown and the economic demand shock that's happened. So. Nobody's buying stuff. Nobody's spending. You can't yep. go to a restaurant. So company, uh, so so governments are trying. Central banks are trying to pump money into the system to keep it afloat. You know, to plug this hole. But what happens is that the dollars, uh, the dollar supply keeps increasing. The euros, the yep. pounds, whatever. So your dollar used to be a certain percentage of all the dollars in circulation, and now that percentage is a lot lower. And so prices are going up. That's the result of inflation. When you print more money at a faster rate 
then the economy grows, which means all of your dollars ha- can purchase less. Yep. Um, so when you put your values in a dollar, it is actually degrading over time. It's sort of, I, I, I think I said this on another podcast, Bryce's podcast, you know, if you have 10 apples and there's a hundred apples in total, you've got 10% of the apple supply. Yep. All of a sudden you double that to 200 apples. You have, you have 5% of the apples. So it's just less rare. And so the dollar is becoming, I sort of joke, but it's sort of turning into toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to depreciate, right? Um, but so what people realize is to protect from that depreciation, they put their value into hard money assets with much uh, tighter money supplies like gold. But gold is actually scarce. Yeah. The supply is unknown and people find ways to mine more um, you know, over time. Whereas Bitcoin supply is fixed at 21 million. And that is a really important characteristic because we know how the supply of Bitcoin is fixed. There's no technological breakthrough that can increase that. So when you buy a Bitcoin and you can buy $100 of Bitcoin, you can buy any fraction, it's always the same percentage of the entire pie. And in the backdrop of the pandemic, the lockdown, the money printing, um, there's a term in economics called helicopter money. Everyone in the U.S. got a $1,200 check. It just literally came out of thin air. Um, <laughs> The way to, and people are like scratching that, like people are starting to get it, you know, yeah. like how is it happening? It's actually like the Fed, the Federal Reserve, may, waves a magic wand and it happens. And people yep. are sort of saying that feels a little bit like not real because it's it's not. And and that, I think that's why Bitcoin, it's been a catalyst driver for, for Bitcoin lately. Totally. And when you say, you know, Bitcoin is going to be worth $500,000, what do you think needs to happen to go from 20,000 to eventually getting to 500,000? So I think it's just more time and education and more data points. But how I get to 500,000, it's very simple math. The market cap of, of gold is 9 trillion. So the, the entire supply of gold is priced at 9 trillion. If gold, it, sorry, if Bitcoin is gold 2.0 yep. and it disrupts uh, gold, then its market cap also has to be nine trillion. But today, Bitcoin's market cap is three hundred and thirty billion. So it's got to increase somewhere like twenty-five to thirty x from here. Yep. So put on a twenty-five to thirty x multiple on the price of a Bitcoin today, which is let's say eighteen thousand, twenty thousand. Um, that easily gets you to five hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin. So if we're right that um, Bitcoin is better than gold. And the way we get to that is we look at the characteristics of why people find gold valuable. It's scarce, it's portable, it's divisible. Bitcoin's uh, better than scarce, it's fixed. You yep. can send it like email, you can divide a Bitcoin into 100 million pieces. So across the board, all of the reasons why humanity has found gold valuable for the last multi-millennia, Bitcoin beats it. So it should be worth as much or more totally. than gold. And for that to happen, a Bitcoin has to be worth five hundred thousand uh, dollars a Bitcoin. That's yeah, I, I totally makes sense. When it does reach the point when it gets to five hundred thousand dollars a coin, like what does it look like from the consumer behavior? Are people spending it, and how do you think it will be used when it gets to that point? 
So that is a great question. A lot of people wonder, do you have to buy things, spend Bitcoin? Does it have to be used as a currency for it to get there? My answer is no. Um, nobody buys coffee or goes to McDonald's and buys a Big Mac with gold. Gold <laughs> totally. is seen, you know? it's a store of value. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a store of value. You got it. Um, but one day, a long time ago, before the invention of fiat currency, uh, gold was brought to the market and it was a commodity money, but we recognize it's a better store of value. So if Bitcoin just becomes a mature, better store of value, I think we see 500,000 of Bitcoin. If it's also used as a currency, there's, there's efforts like the Lightning Network and other sidechain projects. If you can also use Bitcoin as a currency, the value actually goes up much higher. If it can be both a store of value and a way for a currency to work on the network there are other instances, too, where Bitcoin itself, the network, could be like the substrate of other networks and just the security of it. It would basically become like the digital global reserve currency of all crypto. Yep. Then it's even higher. So when I say $500,000 of Bitcoin, that's actually the conservative case. It could easily be a lot, a couple times more or even order magnitude more. And by the time it gets there, like you're never selling your Bitcoin. You, <laughs> yeah. If you need to like use fiat or, you know, I sort of say cash is trash, you'll just be able to lo uh, borrow. And today you can borrow off your Bitcoin, get the cash, spend it without selling the Bitcoin. So um, I, I was listening to this podcast and they were joking about like this Bitcoin meme of the matrix and like, you know, when when Bitcoin gets to like a million, like you won't have to sell it kind of thing. Uh, Morpheus and Neo, like yeah. he was like, what happens when it gets to a million? It's like, you won't have to sell it. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think there's I think we've been hodlers. That's the term for holding since um, 2012. Um, and I was on CNBC Squawk uh, yesterday morning and um, the the interviewer asked me, Seema Moody, She's like, what have you been doing to repair? Like now that Bitcoin's at 18,000, I'm just like, I've just been hodling. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. being patient. Um, and I'm going to hodl all the way to 500,000. And I'm going to still hodl because if I need US dollar shit coin, I can always find another way to yeah. find it. But like uh, Bitcoin is a, it's like a, a gen multi-generational asset. You know, we are at the dawn of something as significant as the internet itself. You, the problem with the internet is that you couldn't buy a piece of it. You could buy like a, a domain name, you could yeah. sort of squat, you could get like, I don't know, cool.com or podcast.com, even yeah. though podcasts weren't a thing back then, but if you knew that they were. <laughs> it's funny you say you that. I was literally looking up podcast.com yesterday and it was going for like a million dollars. So <laughs> funny you bring that up. Right. But that's like owning a piece of the internet, but yep. it was kind of hard. You had to invest on the the application layer, the companies on top of it. Yep. But wouldn't it have been nice to just buy a coin that represented the internet? Totally. Well, fast forward to 2010, the invention of Bitcoin, you can literally buy a coin, a Bitcoin or a fraction of one that indexes or canvases the entire Bitcoin ecosystem without having to pick what company is going to work, yep. whether it's going to be Gemini or Coinbase or, you know, it's, it's sort of like owning a piece of the racetrack, 
without having to uh, bet on which horse is going to win, as long as the races are running, um, <laughs> you you make some money. Yeah. And so Ether is the same thing for indexing um, a piece of the Ethereum network, which is a digital or decentralized global computer. Um, a lot of people equate Ether to digital oil. So if you want to get into the crypto game, my suggestion is own some Bitcoin, digital gold, and own some Ether, digital oil. And with those, you have most of your bases covered. Love that. And with Ether, I know it's you know not as talked about in the media, but when it comes to the predictions of where Ether can go and how it's utilized and where it could be from a price perspective... Like, what's your thoughts on that, on where Ether could go from a place of value? So I, um, I think it's very high. Um, in some ways, it's, it, I haven't done like math on that lately. So uh, for disclosure, and we've talked about this before, that we, are, we have material stake in Ether as well. Yep. Um, like you, you, you mentioned earlier, the media loves Bitcoin because yeah. it's easier for consumers or readers <laughs> to understand that. And they, they harp on that and that makes sense. But, um, what's less talked about and less known is that we are huge fans of ether or Ethereans, um, yeah. if you will, in the, in the slang. So look, I think, um, ether has tremendous capabilities because Bitcoin's digital gold, right? It's sort of moving value from A to B. And there doesn't seem to be a huge appetite in the community to, to experiment or sort of screw it up, right? It's like, we've got yeah. a good thing going. Let's not run too fast. Let's not um, be too exotic. Whereas Ethereum is like, you're, it's a decentralized operating system. So the promise is that you can create these applications on top of it, permissionless. The same way you could build an application. I don't know about anymore, but back in the day, you could build a company on top of Facebook. Yeah. So companies like Zynga, which actually IPO'd and was worth, I think at least a billion dollars, yep. was a company built on top of Facebook. So most companies today are built on top of a cloud computing service like Amazon. So you rent space from Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Ethereum is a decentralized Amazon where you can build your applications there and you run the computing power by owning Ether. Instead of running your credit card through Amazon Cloud, yep. AWS Web Services, you just pay the network in Ether. Uh, it's, it's not centralized. It's not a company. Yep. It's a centralized network. And you, can, um, you, could, you could run, you could create decentralized Twitter on it. You could create decentralized Facebook, decentralized whatever. Um, no one can stop it. Um, no one really controls it. It's owned by the users. That's the beauty of, of cryptocurrency is that the value accrues to the people who use the network, not just um, a few people in a company in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Ether's got to upgrade. It's, it's moving to ETH2. There's, there's some scalability things that it's got to work through. But like I'm an optimist and the smartest folks in the room are, are working on it. So if, if Ether is your, your global computer in the future, what's that worth? Um, it's got to be a ton and it's got to be worth um, as much as digital gold, I would think, yeah. maybe more. Love that. I know that um, you tweeted earlier, you said, the trade of the century is still available. The next few hedge funds who take 100 mil or greater in Bitcoin will become the best investors of their generation. What's your, I would say, 
thoughts on that on a deeper level when it comes to the type of hedge funds and why haven't they done that yet if it's something that could be so simple the way you make it sound. But what is the drawback from these big hedge funds, you think, on putting $100 million into Bitcoin at its current state? I think there's no drawback. I think the drawback is not doing it. Um, why I think there is friction to do it is um, crypto, Bitcoin, it's newfangled, it's exotic, it's risky. A lot of people write it off. They don't um, look closely enough at the legalities of it. The fact that it's been legal since 2015 <laughs> in the US is, is, is like an unknown fact. So a yeah. lot of people sort of worry about it. I think also like a lot hedge funds generally run out money from other people. So they sort of need to get like some sign off maybe from their investors. Um, and you can imagine that like people who are investing a fair amount of money in hedge funds might be older. What I've noticed a lot in, is that like, there's definitely a generational divide totally. between those people who get crypto immediately and don't. I've never met a Gen Zer who's like a skeptic on crypto. They're like, <laughs> I agree. You guys grow up on the internet. Like yeah. you go to like raves and Fortnite. you hang out <laughs> like in, in the metaverse, yep. you have, um, Xbox credits, all this stuff. Like you're like cash. Why would I ever want that? It, it's like, it's totally. like a vinyl record to you or a CD. Like I grew up with CDs and tapes and, and you guys probably didn't even have that. So you get it. Right. Totally. But the boomers, they grew up with gold. They grew up before the internet. And so they're just, and I think what happens is you work your life, you build a career, you climb this mountain. And then all of a sudden the world's like, wait, this mountain's not that relevant anymore. It's over here. And it's very difficult to give up this mountain, walk down, and then to go climb this other one, especially when you're yep. 50, uh, not 50, like 60, 65, 70, you're like, wait, but like yeah. my whole life <laughs> I'm invested here. So you kind of fight against the change in the new. And so when something like big, like Bitcoin comes out and, and is like threatening or crypto to disrupt like your relevancy, your skills, it's the innovator's dilemma. It's like you develop this core competency but like, why would you give up this franchise business? Um, and generally what happens is you sort of ride it out in this slow decline and hopefully, you know, you maybe die before it all goes away or, but like, it's very rare for people later on yeah. to be so, to, to disrupt themselves, which is what you have to do as a person to keep growing and what you have to do as a company to keep growing. And the companies who do this the best um, are the ones that do the best. Yep. So Amazon, they talk about being a day one company always. They're always day one. It's always the first day because day two is like the beginning of the end. Totally. Um, and and the companies who don't like they become, um, you know, they just they they just don't don't make it. They don't stay relevant. And in tech and in money, um, the adoption lifecycle curves are moving so fast that your your lunch will get eaten in like not that long of time like five or ten years and it's like you're yeah, done yeah 100 and I, I think you're you're so on point with that me being i'm 20 years old for reference and when i first heard about crypto in 2017 it was easy for me to adopt and say okay this makes sense because you know i've had the digital version of 
cash just on my phone, right? You go to your bank account, you see it's digital. And I never, and so to this day, I don't carry cash. So I think you're speaking right to my generation when it comes to the adoption, similar to social media, right? It was easy for me to get on social media and to start using it when I was 13, 14. But for my parents or grandparents, it's foreign. They don't get it. They don't understand it. There's, you know, they're on that other mountain, right? And I'd love to talk on that. You know, I, I'm a huge, um, I guess you could say when the social network came out, I was a big fan of the movie and I want to speak on the transition from being on top of these different mountains. One of them being Facebook in your perspective and now Bitcoin early on, just what, what do you think makes you and your brother able to see these cutting edge technologies and bringing it all the way back to the early days of Facebook how were you able to, you know, find yourself in those positions? Yeah, I mean, so I think um, curiosity is super key. Um, we we also have this value called beginner's mind. One of our values at Gemini's beginner's mind, um, just always staying a beginner, you know, yep. because people who are experts, they have assumptions, they have experience which means they're sort of biased and they have judgments. So when we were starting Gemini, I had three, I met with a bunch of people in capital markets to understand exchanges and markets, three self-made billionaires from, uh, from outside of crypto capital markets uh, basically told us it wasn't that great of an idea. And uh, to their credit, like since then they, they've sort of said, Oh, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. like, congratulations. But the thing is they knew too much in a way so in equities exchanges there so like in equities when you buy a stock you have an yep. e-trade account with a broker dealer that you place an order it goes to nasdaq which is the matching engine and then it's cleared by dtc and then it's custodied by state street in crypto all those four different businesses are vertically integrated into one so at gemini we we you open an account you place an order, it goes to our matching exchange, we clear, we settle, we also custody. So that whole loop in an equities um, market, which is four different parts, maybe even more, yep. is all, all one part of Gemini. So we own the full stack. They took their framework from equities and were like, oh, they heard the word exchange or platform or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, that's not that great. Um, yep. We didn't know what that was. We're just like, how do we how do we make make it easy for people to buy, sell, and store cryptocurrency? So, I think beginner's mind's huge. Um, another another way of saying that um, is first principles. You probably hear that a lot um, if you hang out in Silicon Valley. So, oh, coming yeah. at things from first principles, um, a, a, a being being just open minded, curious. Um, yep. And recognizing that the only thing that you can count on in this world is change um, yep. and how things cycle over. Um, I think those are big things in sort of like being willing to ask the question. Like we actually were rowers in high school, but there was no rowing team. Um, we got excited <laughs> okay. or curious about rowing because our next door neighbor um, was a championship rower, but he went off to boarding school and I stayed local. Um, and there was no rowing team. And we just asked like, well, we kind of curious people say we'll be good at this sport because we're sort of tall, yep. but we can't try it. And there was plenty of water around and we're like, well, why can't we do this? So we called up, found a rowing club and we started the team at our high school. 
and now rowing is a huge sport in in the town we grew up in Greenwich, yeah. Connecticut. Every school, um, including our high school, our grade school, has a team. You look out in the water. There's 28 <laughs> boats every morning or every every afternoon. Yep. When I was growing up, zero. There's like one guy who launched this <laughs> single off of yeah. this club, and literally that all changed because two, you know, myself and my brother were like crazy enough or you know whatever enough to just be like i want to try rowing and my mom got on the phone and called around marinas we found a rowing club got into harvard um and did well there and then made the olympics and people sort of saw our example and um you know now it's a huge sport so you know i interviewed richard branson a long time ago a couple years ago okay. we did a, a little bit of a limited sort of what you're doing, but yep. we did it um, serious for a couple episodes. And it was interesting because I asked him about like how do you sort of like plane, you know, the, the plane company um, yep. like Virgin um, and, and the record company and literally like, and he, he started so many companies, <laughs> every company he started like basically out of frustration. It's like, I want to buy this magazine. I don't read this type of magazine, damn it. Like, and no one's, you know, building this content. So I'm going to do that. I want to shop in a record. I want to buy records in a store. And and he just, he literally found the pain points in his life that made sense to him. He solved his own local problem. And then, you know, if it, if it, if you're bringing value to yourself, maybe you're bringing value to your friends and maybe their friends. And all of a sudden, you know, an acorn grows into, or, you know, acorn grows into a, to a huge tree. Yep. And, and that is really, that's always been our story. We wanted to try the sport of rowing and we w went out and found a way to did it. We didn't accept the fact that our school said, well, this is the menu of sports you have available yep. and rowing's not on it. I'm sorry, guys. And we just said, okay, we're going to conform and do that. No, you know, F that like, yeah, we're going to go out and we manufactured that sport, that opportunity, which led us to go to the Olympics. So like all of these amazing um, things can happen if you just like realize, I think Steve Jobs said this so well, it's a really famous quote, like the world that you inherit was built by people no smarter than you. Yep. And you can change it. You can shape it and, and create the world you want. And so few people have the confidence or the experience. We're lucky because our dad's an entrepreneur. So we kind of grew up in that household of someone going out and, and, and you know, yep. taking, taking the bull by the horns. Um, and then with with Facebook, we wanted to connect with more kids, you know, more students. Um, we were in, you know, Boston at the time. Harvard's located in Cambridge, which is outside yep. of Boston. It's sort of college central for for students. Um, we were coming into halfway through our college careers. Everyone's so busy. We just want to connect with people. Friendster was coming out, and we developed, um, you know, Harvard Connection, which became Connect You, and then Facebook, um, you know. To, to solve our own, like what we wanted to see. Absolutely. And um, I guess with cryptocurrency, it's like, it was such an exciting idea because Bitcoin is really like the the greatest, so money is the greatest social network of all time. Yep. But we bought a lot of our early Bitcoin on Mt. Gox. And for people who don't know, that was one of the first biggest Bitcoin exchanges, but it was hacked. It was super scary experience. Oh, wow run in Japan by two, um, two Frenchmen in Japan. 
Um, and so we wanted to make that experience better. Better, you know, we had to jump through hoops of fire, apostille documents, wire money into Japan. It was really murky and sketchy. Yep. And we're like, if Bitcoin's going to work, if our investment's going to pay off, it cannot look like this. It's got to be as easy as like Gmail or something that like my mom can use. And so that birthed Gemini. Yeah, I I love that. So when you were buying Bitcoin at seven dollars like there was no ex easy gemini platforms out there like you said it was sort of hard to buy bitcoin and you guys have solved that problem in such a effortless way yeah no that's exactly right i mean uh believe it or not there was like no app and and i'm maybe i'm dating myself because i know <laughs> a lot of gen zers don't own a laptop don't even own a computer their computer is their phone which yep. is great um but like yeah you go to this website super sketchy um, Gemini, we solve that. We have apps for both Apple and Android. Um, and there's other people out there doing it too. Um, but that's really important to mainstreaming crypto, to making it safe, easy, reliable, because people read these headlines and they get totally spooked, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, it's for drug people and illicit and you can get <laughs> hacked and lose your Bitcoin. But Gemini's never had an incident. We've never lost anybody's Bitcoin. And there's other exchanges out there too that have been incident free. So, but that wasn't the state where we got there. And whenever you're satisfied, you're frustrated with something um, and you're passionate about it, you can really bring those things together to build the change you want. Yeah. Um, and I think there's another saying, I'll leave you uh, sort of um, on, kind of close the topic on, on this is sort of like, when hard work meets opportunity, um, you don't know when opportunity is going to come around the corner. I know a lot of Olympians that actually didn't make the Olympic team. They were alternates. They're the spares. And if everything goes well, they never take a stroke in the Olympics. Um, they get to be called Olympic athletes, but yeah. they're not, they're not racing. Yeah. But what happens, and this is how the world works, right? Is sometimes someone gets injured, they get sick. And those alternates have to be called in to yep. race in the eight boat. And there are situations, there are many examples um, of those boats actually winning medals, even gold medals. So imagine you work all your life, years to make the Olympic team, how disappointing it is to fall quite short and go, but not be an athlete. Yeah. But because an opportunity is serendipitous and that's the world is capricious, race day comes you get tapped, called in, and you leave an Olympic gold medalist. So Love you that. never know when it's going to happen. It can be on a beach in Ibiza, <laughs> just be aware, work hard, do your work, and um, you know, be open to the whisper of the opportunity because um, it, rarely, it rarely is like so obvious. Yep. You got to create the space and really tune yourself to the world around you and you'll keep then you'll start finding that and um you know i think there's there's people who really perfect that and and totally. it's not a coincidence that they keep doing this just like guys like elon musk um it's not luck it cannot be luck when you do it <laughs> absolutely not there are some people who get lucky yeah. you know but not him 
Totally. I last thing before we wrap up, Tyler. I know that um, I read somewhere when the book Bitcoin Billionaires came out. I believe Bitcoin was three thousand dollars a coin back then. And now, like you said, there there's opportunity where if someone's listening to this in 2020, Bitcoin's right around eighteen twenty thousand. And then when someone listens to this in the year 2030, they'll look back and have that sense of regret, right? But if you were to give just one last piece of information about what you're excited about going into 2021 in this new decade, what would that be? What would that be? And what would you want to leave somebody with? Um, I think uh, this decade will be the decade of crypto. Um, I think Bitcoin and Ether are two of the most exciting ones. Um, there's this movement called decentralized finance. It's happening on Ethereum. Um, there's other projects. I would say if you're if you're a Gen Zer, especially like understand crypto, um, it is here to say it's going to re-architect the internet, financial services, money. Um, it's super exciting. I think the more you understand it, the more you understand how to do things like code and interact with machines, uh, the more opportunity you're going to have in your career. Uh, down the road. So I think it's really easy to get distracted, but like even a small little investment really um, focuses you to learn about these things. So that's what I'm putting, dedicating all of my time and my life to for at least the next decade is, is just crypto and helping build that future. So um, I would sort of leave also with like the ultimate skill, like Yes, it's great to learn about Bitcoin and Ether and, and stuff, but even going a level up, I would say the ultimate skill, the meta skill is reading. Um, you know, apparently I read this blog recently that 30 minutes of reading a day, even if you're a slow reader, if you do that every day, you will read 50 books a year, which is a lot. Wow. And most people make the mistake of like, oh, I need all this time and yeah. I got to be on vacation and on a beach before I start reading. And then all of a sudden your boss calls and, you know, and, and they don't chunk things enough. You know, they're like, I need hours or two hours or whatever, but you 10 minutes, a couple times a day, 30 minutes a day, you'll read 50 books a year in 10 years. It's 500 books. You could be one of the most well-read people on the earth. You will learn so much, whether it's crypto entrepreneurship about life, um, and that's the ultimate meta skill. If you can get into reading and learning and diving deep, you will see the world um, like like the people you really aspire to. You'll know as much as I do. You'll see as much as I see. Yep. Um, and 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 then you go going back to like Elon Musk. Then all of a sudden your success is just not luck. Yep. You know you you make it. You control it. You put in the work and 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 it's it's really comforting to know that that like it's it's sort of in your hands but but time is the only thing we have Absolutely. if i say i have bitcoin it means i have time because when we're all dead we have nothing right so yep. your time is your precious most precious asset we're all investors we don't know some of us don't but how we invest and use our time is our precious asset determines what comes out the other side. Um, so those are my parting words of wisdom. Love that. And before we wrap up, where is the best place for people to stay in touch with you and learn more about Gemini? And also I have to say now, do you have an all time favorite book that you'd want to recommend someone before we end this podcast? So uh, Twitter is great. 
Uh, my DMs are open. Um, I'm at Tyler to L E R on Twitter. If you want to follow Gemini, it's at Gemini G E M I N I. Um, favorites are so hard. Um, <laughs> this is, it's like the easy question, but also the hardest because totally. I just crack my head. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Um, but um, what I'll say is this, um, for, for intros to uh, entrepreneurship, Zero to One by Peter Thiel is a Love great that. book. It's very approachable. It's not that long. Um, if you understand the art form of entrepreneurship and startups, that's a great one. That's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Digital Gold by Nathaniel Popper is a great primer on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And then I have to shamelessly plug Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesrick, which totally. portrays my story and Cameron's story in our journey in Bitcoin. I love it. Well, Tyler, with that being said, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. It really means a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Casey. Excited to be here. Hopefully we do it again.